Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper. Today we have Skanda Amaranth, uh, who is the executive director of Employ America, a think tank which focuses on macroeconomic policy and particularly how to achieve full employment. And we have him on to talk about what's going on with the banking system and the the rest of the economy secondarily. But so what happened to Silicon Valley Bank and the 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 rest of the financial system and what does that reveal about how the uh Federal Reserve especially has sort of fallen down on the job as regards to uh, regulation, supervision, and the side effects of its interest rate policy that it really hasn't been paying close attention to. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, uh, super informative, wonky talk for sure. We learn a lot about, I mean, the, what the Federal Reserve does, I think, has a much wider scope and there's a lot more to it than people generally think about. And uh, that obviously not only has, uh, you know, macroeconomic consequences, but real person consequences. And so we get into kind of uh, what they've been doing wrong, what they could be doing, the kind of uh, class bias involved, the uh, the ways that we might rethink the role of the Federal Reserve and and just just generally talking about um, all, all of the many things uh, this kind of crisis and bailout reveal uh, about how uh, our economy is um, politicized against the working person and the poor and uh, tends to favor uh, the wealthy and how how much Kool-Aid is being drunk by those uh, in positions of power uh, when it comes to all this. So it's it's uh, it's good stuff. A little bit of uh, drinking from a fire hose, but uh, you still get that uh, – you know, that thirst quenched. Yep. Yeah. So we did our best to, to sort of try to try to bring the discussion down to a to a lay person level. Um, you know, Skanda is a very much an expert in this these matters. And uh, me and Alexi are very much not. Um, <laughs> you know, but we're That's trying right. to translate for the listener. And and I think, you know, we did our best to 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 to, to bring that along. And I think that um you know the the, the it, it it is just incredibly important uh the decisions that the federal reserve makes the 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 uh, uh choices that it enacts on the total national economy have incredible uh uh influence on everything People's and, lives. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, a, this is, this is jobs. This is incomes. This is wages. This is bankruptcies. This is whether banks live or die. These things really fucking matter big time. And, you know, even though it's boring, you know, we're going to try to understand it. Um, we're going to try to dig into, you know, the, the details of the policy and figure out what's going on. And so, you know, this is our, you know, our, our, uh, our honest best attempt. Uh, for the moment to, to, to see what's going on and, uh, uh, provide it for you. So anyway, uh, yeah. So, so hope you, uh, enjoy the episode. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Let's get into our interview with, uh, Skanda right now. Skanda, thanks for coming on the program. Um, 
My first question for you, you know, let's set the table a little bit for listeners um, with what happened to uh, SVB and what was it? Signature bank. Uh, the other one in New York that, that, that failed, it was taken over by the FDIC. You know, what are the sort of, um, the, the, the details of the immediate sort of close to the ground events that have, that have happened over the last like couple of weeks? Yeah. So I, I think of, um, I'm going to speak more specifically about Silicon Valley Bank. It seems like the troubles are similar or slash related for Signature, but the details are yeah. not as transparent as with uh, Silicon Valley Bank. I'd say that I'd call it a, a problem of liquidity on two sides of the balance sheet you got to think about. The asset side, um, the liquid assets that Silicon Valley are supposed to hold, especially in times when you may not, you may have depositors who are fleeing. Um, that the quality of those assets was pretty poor. Um, it was not, uh, appropriately tailored to, um, what it's supposed to be for these kind of stressful periods. And they took a lot of risk embedded in that. Um, so you have like assets on the, that are supposed to be your liquidity buffer, um, effectively being a pretty low quality in the sense that they kind of gambled with them. I think that's why a fair way to describe why they took so much risk here for stuff that's supposed to be pretty riskless. It's effectively trying to cheat and um, take more risk in a place where um, you're really not supposed to. Um, and on the other side of it is there's actually deposit outflows. And that is they had a lot of uninsured deposits that were effectively controlled by a concentrated slash correlated group of depositors, people associated with the Founders Fund, Peter Thiel, all those sorts of things. It seems like there's a heavy dose of correlation concentration. So... A single, somewhat organized group or WhatsApp group was able to kind of help to really catalyze substantial deposit outflows in a period of stress. And there are rules and regulations and supervisory forms of guidance that do exist to try and protect against that. But in the case here, it was clearly woefully lacking. And so the liquidity, sort of liquid assets that the, um, bank was supposed to hold to manage outflows was not great. And on the other side of it, they also got swamped by deposit outflows um, of a kind that kind of reflects, wow, this like is a lot more concentrated and there was no like thought behind maybe these deposits could get pulled really quickly and really easily. And we might be left um, in a situation where we can't meet those needs immediately. Um, and I think that, that that sums up, I think, what's the there are probably a lot of other problems you can sort of describe around that, but I'd say those two things are the things that stick out is that they yeah. did not take the, that, those challenges seriously. And <laughs> there are like regulatory frameworks that exist that try to address both those. They're, they're two sides yeah. of the same coin and there are regulations that exist that, that are meant to like address these kinds of things, at least in substance, even if not perfectly informed. Yeah, exactly. And I want to get to that in a second, but so l- let me, let me sort of try to sum up here and, and see if and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I if if I'm not understanding correctly. So, um, you you have this bank which which for uh like well over twenty years now I think is catered to the Silicon Valley tech startup scene, and of late they you know their their business model over the last few months, the last couple of years has been taking uh the 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 deposits from these startup businesses. 
uh, and sort of catering to them in a, in a, in a customer service fashion to just be like, no, if you're, if you're doing a startup, then, then this is the place that you need to go. And we're going to take care of all of your needs. And they take this money. And for the last several years, they just mainly invested it, uh, in, uh, United States debt, uh, uh, and similar type, type of products. And that exposed them to interest rate risk, maybe that they didn't understand that they were taking on. And the risk is if you, uh, you know, you, 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 you've invested in this United States debt from back in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, when the, 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 the rates were super low. Well, that debt is going to become much less valuable if there happens to be inflation and we're issuing new debt at a much higher interest rate. And so that's going to, to trade at a, at a disadvantage because the, the, the coupon, the interest payments that are coming in from those, uh, new bonds are going to be much larger than before. And so Silicon Valley Bank had taken on an unusual amount of exposure to this type of risk. Like the, like a normal bank would have some bonds and then they would have home loans and real estate loans and other loans that like they would have a diverse portfolio. But the Silicon Valley Bank, they just did sort of this one type of thing. And then as you say, they were also catering to a population of people who are very subject to groupthink and herd behavior. Uh, a, 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 Venture capitalists in Silicon Valley who are all in the same WhatsApp group, who are all subject to this sort of like messianic ideology that the venture capitalists are going to solve all the problems by, you know, replacing your your uh, your your blender with some kind of AI chatbot or whatever. And so when they started to panic, it all built on itself. And because these are business accounts and not regular retail deposits, um, that exposed them to. The risk of regulatory, like the 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 uh, FDIC insurance limit is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and almost no individual person has a checking account that's more than that. But businesses often do, and so the fact that they had uh, accounts, all these businesses, Roku had half a billion dollars almost in a single account at this fucking bank, which is baffling to me i mean I, like that is that a corporate irresponsibility and incomprehensible level but so that exposed them to another type of risk and it all came together at the same time and it killed the bank uh it, am i am i rephrasing what you just said accurately um i think for the in broad strokes yes but i think there's two things that's probably helpful in discussing banking especially yeah. which i think gets very confusing kind of needlessly and people who are in the weeds of who are like bank analysts in, uh, in terms of like financial analysts understand and then there's like this sort of potted textbook interpretation of what banks do which is not very helpful and it's actually <laughs> it, it really gets in the way of like like an understanding of like how banks think about their balance sheet um there's the asset side, and then there is your, I'll call it funding side. By funding, I mean, like, how are you capitalized in terms of who bears the loss if those assets depreciate, right? Um, there are shareholders. There are different types of creditors. Um, creditors are typically those who are on, in terms of uh, the liabilities of a bank. Liabilities can come in the form of uh, the bank-issued bonds, and that's how they raise the debt. Or they could also be relying on depositors who stick their money in a bank, may earn some interest. That's obviously kind of a pivotal part of the story. 
But there's like a, that. That's like the management of liabilities and called equity, like the people who own the bank. Those are the people who are like loss bearers. And then you have how do you allocate assets? Banks obviously do a lot of their asset allocation is going to be broken up between liquid and illiquid. The illiquid side is a lot of stuff like that. Banks are supposed to make illiquid investments of various kinds in sort of helping people own cars and homes and um, businesses and grow their businesses or help to securitize certain types of uh, um, uh, sort of activities that are going on. There's a whole set of things that are in that vein of business. Like, and you, you want to some degree have, if the extent that there's a basis for a private banking system, like it's that they do some of that stuff, right? That they are doing productive. They're hopefully helping to the longer dated, harder, riskier stuff. Someone is helping to fund and make sure that like, activities able to happen. Even if like, say, businesses lack the capital on their own, they're able to raise it. So that's like kind of the charitable, optimistic story there. But like, you also need to make sure that like, if you are, if your funding base, the people who are helping to prop up the bank effectively on the liability side are a lot of depositors who expect the, abil- the ability to withdraw their money at will almost that there is going to be some matching of that effectively, but there has to be some alignment because um, you need to, you don't need to have that be perfect because most people aren't trying to pull all of, Roku's not trying to pull all their money all at once is like kind of a, a working assumption. That's probably not super valid right now, but it is uh you, you want to make sure that's aligned. The way to align that comes through two forms. One, don't rely too much on um, flaky forms of funding, funding that can quickly disappear. That happens in a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to just happen through depositors, but like depositors can be very flighty as we as, as shown to be the case. So if you're going to rely on flighty depositors, you better have the liquid assets that match that. What's happened instead for Silicon Valley Bank was that when they invested in liquid assets that also had other risks attached to them that they thought they could kind of earn a quick buck on. Um, specifically, treasury... Uh, securities, U.S. Treasury securities have are are not um we, they are they don't have credit risk in the sense that like the government's not going to default barring like some sort of crazy debt ceiling th- phenomenon where Congress per- is effectively trying to push for a default, but otherwise like the government's not going to default because the government can always issue more securities and the Fed is there to buy government securities also right so these are not that's like but these securities still have interest rate risk, which is to say when like interest rates go up, when the Fed raises interest rates, um, the value of existing bonds that were earning a lower yield uh, goes down, right? So the coupon associated with those, so the existing yield has to uh, incorporate the fact that there are now all these new bonds that are earning a higher yield. And so that's maybe one way to interpret that. But bond price and bond yield are inversely correlated. So when the Fed raises interest rates, it lowers bond prices. And what lowers like the price of treasury securities. And to that point, they took a lot of needless risk there. Effectively, they invested in treasury securities that effectively made a bet that interest rates would stay a lot lower, lower for longer. Um, which is like, okay, on an asset allocation basis, there are places where you can make those kinds of bets, but you probably shouldn't try not to make those kinds of bets with your, like, effectively your liquidity buffer, right? Things that are meant for is that's not the place to gamble for stuff. Um, you're supposed to think about that. You're trying to avoid that. Find ways to prevent yourself from being exposed to that kind of scenario. That is like, they effectively tried to gamble with something they're not supposed to gamble with. That's the, that's the way I describe it. And 
There, unfortunately, I don't think this is a problem that is like limited to Silicon Valley Bank. I think there were a lot of banks for what, a lot of like perverse reasons, including like their own like level of greed. Like there probably was a lot of propensity to purchase treasury securities. We'll pick up a little extra yield because um, we think interest rates are going to stay low. Um, and turns out that didn't happen. And like, you're not supposed to do that with this. And that I think is one of the un- things that like led to a lot more fear about the state of the banking system and the state of banks like Silicon Valley Bank. That's the end of the preview, folks. As usual, we like to mention that this podcast is sponsored by the American Prospect Magazine. So if you want to listen to the whole thing, uh, you could subscribe at $5 a month. If you want that plus a free subscription to the website, uh, plus the opportunity for a steeply discounted print subscription, you can do that if you so wish at $10 a month. And uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.